So let's talk for a moment about a problem that most of us have. The one thing that health experts, dietitians, athletes, and top performers all seem to agree upon is the perfect diet simply does not exist. Even with a balanced, healthy diet, it can still be hard to cover your nutritional basis through food alone. This is why there is Athletic Greens, and I'm so glad I found it. The Athletic Greens Ultimate Daily All-in-One Health Drink has 75 proven vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, which make it so much easier for you to get that comprehensive nutrition without the need for a bunch of pills, powders, or complex routines. It is simply the most complete supplement for a better you. It's different from everything else, and it's different because it's delivered in powder form, and it's mixed with water. Athletic Greens requires fewer capsules, it has superior absorption, and it does not include any binders or fillers. One scoop of Athletic Greens provides a convenient, affordable, and tasty solution to fill those gaps in your diet. So if you're looking to boost energy, strengthen your immune system, or support gut health, this is the product for you. Why not just give it a shot? Jump on over to athleticgreens.com slash Rome. Claim my special offer right now. 20 free travel packs valued at 79 bucks with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash Rome. And I emailed Jim and I go, hey, dude, congratulations. This is really great. Nobody deserves it more than you. I'm really proud of you. And he just writes back, thanks. Good to hear from you. And I was like, hey, <laughs> what about us? We're going in too. What? Yo, it's cracking. Welcome to another episode of the Jim Rome Podcast, Ep 105. I could not be more pumped to welcome my guests. Not guest, but guests, plural, because they're icons, they're legends. Now, I do not throw phrases around like that very often, but these guys are that. They were recently inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame in New York City. They held it down for 30 years in Morning Drive here in Los Angeles. So if you've spent any time at all in this town, you know these guys. You know their show, and you know the station, the legendary KROQ, one of my favorite radio stations ever. Kevin and Bean simply are giants in this business. I'm proud to know them. I am proud to call them friends, proud to have been on their show countless times, and proud as hell to have gone into the Radio Hall of Fame with them. And now I'm anxious to put it down and chop it up with them right now. And that's exactly what we're going to do as two of the goats in this industry are going to come together at least one more time and let it rip. Ep 105 of the Jim Rome Podcast starts right now. Dudes, let me start by saying first, I am so pumped for you guys to do this. Nothing but respect for both of you. Proud to call you guys friends, and I want to say congratulations on an amazing 30-year run with Kevin and Bean. Fellas, what's going on? How are you both? We are good. How are you? Good. Good. What's going on? Jim, um, it was so great to spend some time with you in person in New York City at the Hall of Fame ceremony. That was a fun night. Dude, that was so fun. I can't wait for you guys to break down what you saw in that room because, well, they don't know exactly what went down. So you guys can help me with that. But Kevin, let me start right here. What a ride. Kevin, can you even describe or put into words what the last 30 years have been like for you? No, I mean, it's really impossible to look at all 30 years. You know what it's like day to day. It's like, okay, finished with today. What am I doing tomorrow? I hope to keep my job, but what am I going to do the next day? And it's by the time you get to 30 years, you go, what? It's been 30 years? This makes no sense. Man, that is so true. That is the truth. Now, Bean, I remember starting in Santa Barbara 
on an AM-FM combo. And the good thing about the three of us, we kind of came in at the same time. I can remember being in a small market, seeing the jocks roll through, and they'd come from all these crazy small markets, and they'd be there for a book or two, and then it was on to the next thing, and they'd move across the country. I thought it was wild. When you got to L.A., Bean, could you have ever seen yourself with the kind of run you had? Three decades, same time slot, same station, market number two. The whole thing is mind-blowing, especially given the backgrounds you guys had. No, you're absolutely right, Jim. And Kevin and I have said, many times that it, we honestly, we took the job because we were honored to be offered it, but we thought at least we'll get K-Rock on our resume. They'll probably fire us after six months, but at least we'll, we'll be able to say to the next job when we try to go get, a, you know, get into Tucson or someplace, we'll be able to say, yeah, but we worked at K-Rock in L.A., and it was worth the move just to have it on the resume. But in a million years, we never expected that it would last as long as it did, and there were a lot of years where we probably should have been replaced with somebody more talented, but right. we, you know, we had people who were in it for the long haul. You don't see that as much in radio anymore, but we had program directors that believed in us and gave us time to learn how to do the job, and that's the only reason we succeded. You know, it's what not about unlike, you, Jim? How do you look at the Jim, time this... that you've been on? I'm sorry, say again? I said, what, Jim, how do you look at the, the entire time that you've been on? Is it possible to get your head around it? No, Kevin, same thing. Exactly the same thing. Like for you, because we go day to day. We go back to zero every single day. So you put your head down and you keep grinding, you keep grinding, you keep grinding. And then all of a sudden, one day, the three of us end up in New York City in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and we're like in our 50s, like, what the hell happened, man? Like, how did that go so fast? And now Bean's moving on. So, no, it's, it's impossible to get your head around. But the great thing, I mean, there's so many great things about you guys, but the way you came together, like Kevin... You guys, you guys kind of bust each other's balls and everybody else's, and it's all out of love. It's all out of fun. But during that Radio Hall of Fame induction ceremony, Kevin, you made the point that Bean could have chose anybody, but he chose you. I thought it was a really poignant moment, man. Like, it's getting pretty dusty up in here. Lay that out for me. How did you guys come together? I mean, we met in uh, Phoenix at KCCP at a radio station that he came to, and we ended up, he was doing afternoons and music director, I think. I was doing nights. We ended up doing a show called The Saturday Night Party Patrol, and that's sort of where we would go from listener's house to listener's house who were having parties. And that's where we learned we could crack each other up. And, you know, two years later, after figuring out how to make a demo tape, we ended up together, and day one of us doing a morning show was the first day of January in 1990. That's crazy. Now, Bean, is that is that how that went? Did you choose Kevin? Why did you choose Kevin? Um, you heard my remarks at the Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, the universe put us together, Jim. There's no reason that we ever would have met in that little radio station on that particular day and hit it off so well. Um, you know, I I don't I don't think I would have been in the Hall of Fame if I hadn't come across Kevin. I think it was just alchemy. It was chemistry. You know, not everybody's a super stud, Jim, who can who can run the thing alone. You know, some <laughs> of us need help. And uh, we were just lucky that we were, we were a good fit. Let's not get it twisted, fellas. You know I have help. I mean, I might be on the air by myself, but I've had a lot of help. Now, that people in our – look, I understand this, but in the industry, this is crazy. The two of you never hosted a morning show before, not together, no. not separately. And not right. only did you try this, but you tried it in Los Angeles in one of the largest, most competitive markets in the country – Kevin, it sounds insane. How did you guys get that gig? Well, I mean, honestly, it was we put together a tape, and a guy knew the program director, and K-Rock was looking for a morning show, and they didn't want an established morning show that had its own issues and its own problems. They sort of wanted to grow it from scratch, so they paid us almost nothing, and they gave us time. And we had three to four years to kind of figure out what we were doing, which we wouldn't have if we started today. 
Now, Bean, what about your backgrounds? I mean, you guys came from top 40 backgrounds. Like, what was the adjustment when you came to K-Rock? And what kind of adjustment did you have to make? Because that was a different world altogether. It was. And there's no question that it was, it was an adjustment for us on air. We were used to doing the high-energy top 40 pitter-patter, and we had to learn how to slow down and have a conversation and sound like regular people on the radio. But we got very comfortable with it. It took us a while, but eventually, you know, we can't see doing the other thing now. I mean, this is who we are now. But, um, you know, uh, I can speak for me to say that I was a huge fan of K-Rock. K-Rock was one of the radio stations that I, I used to vacation in Los Angeles so that I could tape record on a little cassette K-Rock music because I loved it so much. And it was a one-of-a-kind station that was no one else was playing the kind of music they were playing. So I was thrilled to be playing that kind of music because that was to my personal taste. So that helped with the adjustment. But, you know, just learning how to do a morning show is just something that you, 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 like so many other things, you learn by doing it. And we just got a little bit better every year. All right, so I know exactly what you're saying because I grew up in Los Angeles, so I, I knew that station. I love that station. In fact, Kevin, I, I always listened. When I came up, I dated a gal in college who graduated and became a record rep. And she knew I was a huge Jed the Fish guy, so she got Jed to leave me a voicemail message, you know, back in the day when there were no cell phones on right. a hard line. She, he, she got him to leave me a voicemail message on my answering machine in the 80s, and I was like, holy shit, that's incredible. <laughs> it's Jed the Fish talking to me. But there were other legendary jocks. There was Jed, there was Richard Blade, there was Rodney on the Rock, who was an icon. Like, So, Kevin, what was it like being the out-of-towners, the new guys with all those legendary figures taking up the other day parts how do they treat you guys were they happy to see well, you there's two parts a a everybody at k-rock was really incredibly nice to us everybody was like over the top nice to us but it was like we were coming in there and everybody's looking at us like what are you doing and and at the exact same time mark and brian were just peaking on klos they were they had everyone listening to their morning show so luckily we started uh, before the internet, so people actually had to write out uh, notes that said you're ruining our radio station, and it really like bummed us out for a while. And then we just thought, well, let's read them on the air and try to have some fun with it, see if we can roll with it, and maybe we can keep the job for another week or two. We didn't want to ruin K Rock, Jim. That wasn't our plan. That wasn't we were the plan. To help, but uh, <laughs> we just we weren't very good at it. That's all. But you're absolutely <laughs> right about the legends. I mean, the names you mentioned and guys like Freddie Snakeskin and Swedish Eagle. I mean, there were so many people. It, we almost feel, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Kevin here, but I feel like a little bit of a fraud that we got inducted into the Hall of Fame before people like Jed the Fish and Richard Blade, who in my view are far more worthy of the induction. I don't know. You guys have had, a, those guys are great. They're pros, pros. They're still doing it. Richard Blade's still doing his thing, but you guys certainly did earn that. And being like, to Kevin's point, I, I like I said, I came in at the same time. I got a few of those letters myself, but if somebody wanted to MF us, they had to take the time to put it on a piece of paper, <laughs> find an envelope and a stamp and do it. Bean, can you imagine what it would be like if we all came up in that era of social media where they could get right to their phones? How different would the whole thing have been? Oh, I mean, as we've said before, we would not have survived it. I mean, I think, I, I honestly think there were a lot more people who didn't enjoy our show at the beginning than there were that did. I mean, we, you know, the ratings went down when we started for the first year. So we were, we definitely would have lost people. And, you know, uh, K-Rock, I think, is a little more immune to social media pressure than a lot of broadcast companies are. I think, you know, I think I like to think K-Rock would have stuck with us, whereas other stations, if they'd gotten the same kind of blowback online, would have said, oh, 
we're making a big mistake here. We've got to cut these guys. I do like to think that even in a social media era, they would have at least they would have at least tried to give us a, a, enough rope to hang ourselves with. Hey, listen, we always want to believe that, right? If we're out there putting ourselves out there and pushing the envelope, we want to know that if it comes back and we get bitten in the ass a couple of times, they're going to back us up. You know your genes are not just about you. It's something that you share with the people closest to you. So uncovering potential health issues early can help empower you with information so you and your family can move forward to a healthier future. Which brings me to Ancestry Health which brings Ancestry Health into this conversation. You see, with Ancestry Health, you can discover how your DNA might influence certain health conditions and the steps that you can take with a healthcare provider to chart a healthier path forward. What I'm saying is this. Some health conditions can be influenced by genetics. Ancestry Health looks at a carefully selected set and gives you insights as to how that might impact you and your family. Ancestry Health gives you personalized health reports that are easy to understand with actionable insights and access to genetic counseling resources, plus a family health history tool to track generations of health. And of course, you also receive Ancestry DNA ethnicity results that reveal your origins as well. Learn from your genes. Take action for your family. Go to Ancestry.com slash Rome. Learn more and get your Ancestry Health Kit today. That's Ancestry.com slash Rome. Ancestry Health includes laboratory tests developed and performed by an independent CLIA certified laboratory partner and with oversight from an independent clinician network, board certified physicians, and genetic counselors. Ancestry Health is not currently available in New York, New Jersey, or Rhode Island. I always tell my guys, you would not believe the shit that we used to do on the show. In fact, you wouldn't believe how good the show was back in the day because of, well, you know, the shit we used to do on the show. Yeah. You guys were young. You were brash. You were not afraid. You were trying to get some traction. You're going up against monsters like Mark and Brian. Like, what were the early years like, Kevin? Do you ever look back like, man, did we really do that? What we got away with was insane. And I'll tell you the main uh, two reasons. One, Howard Stern was the same company that we were at mm, the time. Right. So all of the lawyers and all of everybody in the suits, they were paying attention to Howard Stern. What is he doing, and, and how can we legally defend him? And no one cared at all what Bede and I did. And, of course, in the 90s, it was a very, very different time. So we could get away with, I mean, I think we could do anything, and no one would have even noticed. We did a lot of illegal stuff. I mean, I was just thinking the other day, I, I, I was remembering that at one point, Kevin, you may remember the details, but didn't we call a hotel and pretend to be Rick D's and have to yeah. play his voicemail messages that were left on his hotel phone for us on the air? Wow. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you can't, you can't get away with stuff like that. That's a, that's a clear FCC violation. You're going to get sued for invasion <laughs> of privacy, for slander, for everything. But like Kevin said, we were so under the radar and we had so few listeners that we could just do stuff that just amused ourselves. Guys, who... Who came up with Confess Your Crime, and Kevin, what was Kevin, that Kevin, segment all Kevin, about? It was Kevin's idea. <laughs> that was Mark and Brian. I think you're talking about Mark and Brian. <laughs> yeah, I think it was you guys. Like, what, what was that all about? What happened? Uh, Jim, I, I wish that that were not the, one of the first things that people think of when Kevin and Bean come up. You know, we did an interview hey, Bean with, it's something. We did an interview with the Los Angeles Times recently, and it was like the second question. And it's, it's just, I mean, it was, it was so long. It was our first six months on the radio at K-Rock, 
And like we just talked about, we were just trying everything, and we just thought, hey, we need to goose this segment a little bit. People were calling up with shoplifting stories, and we were just looking for something a little sexier. And in no way did we think it out properly or appropriately. Obviously, it was a huge, huge mistake that we've always regretted. But it was just a, it was a bad idea that got out of hand, and then we ended up, uh, you know, bit us in the butt, and we ended up paying for it. You know, being I listen, respectfully, when you say, I wish people would not go to that every single time, that'd be like when you guys finally had me on, if you were to say, hey, you know, Jim, really good to have you on the show, like that, that whole everything, what was that all about? Like, I understand <laughs> people go right to that. Right. And, and we do stuff back then, and we don't want to be remembered for our worst day when we did thousands of other shows. So I really do understand that. Now, you guys, the format was so great. Like, I, I can imagine jocks working in formats where they really didn't care about the music. But to me, you guys had such an amazing format with alternative rock. Who were some of your favorite bands to interview and have in studio perform? I mean, I mean, for me, it's Dave Grohl all day, every day. Sure. Yeah, he's he the best. I mean, one of the things that I love, Jim, about the number of years that we did the show on K-Rock is we saw so many different so many different kinds of alternative music. I mean, you know, we interviewed, uh, you know, Sarah McLaughlin when it was Lilith Fair time. We'd interviewed the Squirrel Nut Zippers when that's what we were playing. We interviewed Neil Young back when he was headlining Lollapalooza, you know, and then you go through, you, you do, a, you know, a breakfast show with Oasis or with Metallica or with Jack White. I mean, whatever is hot and happening with, and, you know, continuing on to people like Billie Eilish today, you know. Whoever is the thing that is popular in our format is somebody that we had the opportunity to sit down and talk to in person. I mean, you know, so many artists that I love. Lana Del Rey is another example of somebody we've had on the show a few times who I just adore. I think she's one of the greatest artists performing today. And, you know, they, they go through K-Rock because K-Rock is a, you know, is a, uh, in, in the alternative music format. So we've just been lucky to, you know, to glom onto some of that. Hey, Jim, let me ask you a question. Sure. Um, so we started in 1990, and we always laugh when we're interviewing somebody who was born after we already had our job. How about you? Yeah, same. I mean, it's the weirdest thing. Like, for the longest time, I interviewed everybody. Everybody I interviewed was older than me, and I was the young guy coming up. And now I interview kids of guys that I used to interview. And I'm trying to say this thing long enough to interview a grandson. Like, it's kind of <laughs> freaking me out right now. It's, it's really weird. Like, literally, you guys, you guys started on New Year's Day 1990, right? Right. Yeah, I got yeah, my break on 690 AM in December of 1990. So we really did come up at the same time. Now, Bean, I know you're not going to retire, and you're moving on to the next thing, but if you're moving on, like, Kevin, where does that leave you and I? Are we supposed to be moving on? Because we're not. <laughs> I hope not. We're not, I plan on. I plan on staying. How about you? Same. Same. You know, Bean, going back to that list of guys, the most intriguing name on that list that you just mentioned to me, believe it or not, was Neil Young. I love Neil Young. I've always wanted to talk to Neil Young. I've never gotten anywhere near him. What was he like on your show? He was great. I mean, uh, this was in the Rockin' in the Free World era, yeah. and, you know, he, he just, he, he's had so many incarnations, so many different kinds of things that he's done, and I think he was just hitting his stride with young people again for whatever reason at that time. And it's just one of those interviews, and we've had so many of them, and you have too, where you've interviewed Hall of Famers and Legends, you know, you don't get your head around, your, hey, I'm talking to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, that's like boyhood Jim Rome, you can't believe you're doing that. And that's what those kinds of interviews are like for us. Not so much Neil Young for Kevin, but I mean, there have certainly been other people who have been the, 
equivalent iconic types of performers that I'm sure have that Kevin can't believe he gets to talk to. Yeah, well, yeah. no, I'll give you one name that I felt like I didn't even belong in the same room, and oh. that's Johnny Cash. Wow, dude, what was that like? I, I mean, don't remember. It, it was incredible. <laughs> I mean, like I said, at the, I said to Kevin at the time, I said, you know, we just shook the hand that was there at the beginning of rock and roll. You know what I mean? I mean that we just shook the hand that shook Elvis's hand. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that. And not just in music. I mean, I think about the fact that, you know, we went to Bob Hope's house. You know, we interviewed Ed McMahon. We interviewed Milton Berle, you know, Phyllis <laughs> Diller, those kinds of people. Some of your listeners may not know their names, but those were the giant. The Marx Brothers. The Marx Brothers, not quite. Regis <laughs> Philbin, you know, people who were huge comedy stars in the 20th century, we had the opportunity to talk to. And we just we don't belong in most of those conversations, but man, what a great perk for the job. Bob Hope's house. Yeah, what was yeah. That? dude. How cool was that? It was pretty cool. I mean, the guy had the guy had some memorabilia. I'll tell you. I mean, his, his honorary Oscar and everything else. He he couldn't have been any nicer to us. It was a, it was a cool day. You know who I saw backstage once, Kevin? You guys ever talked to Don Rickles? Man, I loved him. Never did wanted to though. Yeah, uh, I don't think we ever so did. So cool. Of course, nope. You know, our, our our all our mutual friend Jimmy Kimmel was very close to Don Rickles, so we've heard a lot of great stories about him over the years. I think he's somebody we would have really, really enjoyed, but we never had the opportunity. You said mutual friend Jimmy Kimmel. So Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla, you guys have this like we talk about it in sports, like the Bill Walsh tree, where others come off that tree. You guys have done such an amazing job of being so unselfish and affording that platform to other people who've taken advantage of it and moved on to other things. Jimmy Kimmel, Adam. Corolla both come to mind. When you first met those guys, did did they did they just seem like all right? These guys are pretty good. They're good to put on the show. Or did you know that these were two really different guys that were just going to go on and kill it the way they have? Uh, I'll jump in. Sure, they were unbelievably talented, and you knew it from the minute you met them. I mean, we have always said that they would have been successful if we had if they'd never come through the doors of Kevin and Bean. It may have helped them. It may have opened some other doors for them. But they were they're both unstoppable entertainers. And by the way, you can add to that list people like, uh, you know, Chris Hardwick and people like Ralph Garman and people like Matt Money Smith. I mean, we have I'm proud that we have had a pretty decent eye for talent, but really we just give people the opportunity and they're so great that they take advantage of it and they use it as a platform to go off and do other things. And we're extremely proud of the people that came out of our show. And we often, you know, we often used to say the talented ones are the ones who get off the ship. We're the ones (laughs) who are still in here rowing. <laughs> Kevin, what's I mean, you guys had such an amazing run. Thirty years is a long, long time to maintain that kind of relationship, that kind of camaraderie. You know, frankly, not to get sick of each other, burn out on each other. Kevin, how did that work? How'd you guys do that? I could give you the exact answer to that because Bean moved away in nineteen ninety nine. So we started in nineteen ninety. Bean moves away. They call me in the office, they go, Hey, Bean's leaving uh, Los Angeles. What do you want to do? And I was like, well, maybe we sh- should we try it, like, w- with the ISDN line or some type of thing? And everybody was like, yeah, well, I guess we should try it. And we did. And I honestly think me not being in Bean's face too much and him not being in my face too much and all of us sort of having a little bit of space helped a lot. It helped us get past any of those kind of arguments. Yeah, but at the same time, I respect that. But, Bean, you can speak to this. It's This is hard to do. I mean, it sounds seamless. If you didn't know, you would have no idea. Remote broadcasts are not an easy thing to do. So how did you make that work logistically? How could it sound as seamless as it did? I mean, there definitely was an adjustment in 99 when I moved from Los Angeles to Seattle. But I think we had the benefit of having done a show together for almost 10 years. So we were familiar with each other and our, and our rhythms and our speech patterns. 
So I think we were just kind of able to build on that. I mean, you know, Jim, from doing so many interviews that sometimes there's a tiny bit of delay when somebody's not in the same room with you. And you have to be aware of that. But you get used to it, and it just becomes second nature. I mean, the being in the studio two or three times a year, those were the most difficult shows for me <laughs> to do because I was in the same room with everybody. Wow. The, the normal, natural state of, state of work for me was being in my basement at home by myself. All right, so Kevin, take us inside the room. The Hall of Fame in New York City, the induction ceremonies, class of 2019. I've made no secret of the fact that while I was really excited to go in, I was really hyped to go in with you guys. I thought the whole thing personally was really surreal. We haven't had a chance to compare notes on that. Kevin, let me start with you. What was your biggest takeaway from the room and that night? John Tesh hates the Radio Hall of Fame. (laughs) (laughs) What happened with John Tesh? His wife got up to, to introduce him, and there's a clock for all of us. We all have a clock. And if, it, if you talk too long, they start playing the music, and if you still talk too long, they literally cut your mic and just throw it to a video. And she went on, and the music started playing, and she kept talking, and they went right to the video, and somehow, man, that really angered him, and he got up. I heard, I'm not positive this is true, but I heard that he left the award at the place because he was so angry. Whoa. Whoa. That is something. So, Bean, was that where you were going to go? I mean, I definitely want your biggest takeaway and your thoughts on the room, but what was your reaction to that when you saw that thing play out the way it did? I was disappointed for John and for his wife, Connie Selica. Look, I understand that they're trying to not turn the event into a five-hour night, but it also wasn't televised, and they could have edited it afterwards if they wanted to for the video. I thought it was a really rude thing to do. I mean, look, you could... Look, and I'd also like to say, Jim Rome was the first recipient of the Hall of Fame award that night, and he blew right past his three minutes. He kept on talking. I think <laughs> you kind of set the stage, Jim, for everybody else to get up there and do, and do a filibuster. So I blame you partly for it. But um, I'm talking about, bro. I think I went one second too long, man. I was talking faster (laughs) and faster, trying to get the hell out of there. I went first. I like I got the memo. I'm not in any way judging anybody. But let's face it, some some of our classmates settled in, and some of us got the memo that the intro was three minutes and we had five minutes. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I'd like to I'd like to point out that Kevin and I also kept to time as well. But there were some other people who looked at it as an opportunity to just say everything that they've ever thought since they were little kids, and that was unfortunate but again it's a live event it's not like you have to worry about commercials on an award show on television just edit the video for later i don't think there's any reason to upset people on a night like that but i do want to i do want to circle back to something that you said jim which is kevin and i when we first got the email from the hall of fame committee from craig kitchen that we were being inducted the very first thing we said was oh my god i can't believe jim rome is going into the same time i mean that meant so much to us because we've had you on our show so many times over the years and we, were, and we just look up to you and your show so much, we were just really, really proud. I mean, all of that was tempered by Seacrest going in with us, but, I mean, the fact that you and, <laughs> you, know, you were going in and we were going in, I thought was great. Um, there's, there's, Can I tell a funny story about Jim? Yeah, you, please do that, because I okay. got one, too. It may, okay, might be so, the same funny story, but go ahead. It, it could be. So I find out that we're going into the Hall of Fame the same year as Jim. And I, and I email Jim, and I go, hey, dude, congratulations. This is really great. Nobody deserves it more than you. I'm really proud of you. 
And he just writes back, thanks, good to hear from you. And I was like, hey, <laughs> what about us? We're going in too, what? So good. And then that... he emailed me back, and he was like, wait a minute, you guys aren't in there yet? And I was like, no, we're going in the same time. And he apologized, but that was very funny. No, dude, I, that's, that, that's my funny story. I was going to say to Kevin, they, like, Kevin pops in right away, like, dude, we're so happy for you. Congratulations. I'm like, dude, that is so nice of you, man. Thank you very much. And then about an hour <laughs> later, I realized you're going into it. I'm like, dude, no, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Kevin. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course you are. This time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Wild Trapper. Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire, so it's legit. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is the real deal. Old-fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy if you want to shake things up. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores. Clones, if you don't see it, be sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Hey, Jim, um, let me ask you a question, too, about your speech, because uh, I had not heard the uh, Marvel origin story about how you wrote a letter. Was it was it every week for months and months to try to get on this this first radio station in Mexico? Yeah, 690. So the uh, the transmitters in Mexico and the stations in San Diego. But remember, guys, like that was 19. So I started like in the late 80s, 88. I was in Santa Barbara, Market 174, and that blowtorch went all the way up the coast. And there was only one other all sports station. And that was at FAN in New York. So I knew exactly where I wanted to go. And I just kept hammering them with letters after letters after letters. And if somebody didn't respond, I'd just go to somebody else. So I found the general manager, the local sales manager, the PD, the news director, on and on and on. And finally, this woman who got a job there said, look, we know who you are. Come down here and try out. If you get the job, you can stay. And if not, just leave us the hell alone. We're tired of you. We have your tape. We have your resume. We got everything. <laughs> That's amazing. So I finally went down there, and I there was an Easy 8 motel right next to the station. And I don't know if I shared this in the speech really quickly, but I went to my general manager in Santa Barbara, and I said, look, I got a week off. I'm going down there to try out. He's like, the hell you are. I'm like, the hell I'm not. I am. (laughs) He said, well, just so you know, you better get that job because if you don't, there's no job here for you. I'm like, are you a dick? Are you? I mean, for real? Is this this a real thing? Because you guys know when you're in a small market and you've got nothing else to fall back on, I was terrified that I had no job. Sure. So I said, listen, I, I have to do this. I've tried for three years to get a job there. They're giving me a tryout. I'm going. I'm going. So, Jim, how would you handle it today if somebody was obsessed with your show and wanted to work on your show as an intern or something like that, and they emailed you or, or hit you up on social media every single day saying, Jim, when can I come down? When can I come down? I think you'd block that guy after like three days. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but I will tell you this, though. I Maybe I would, but a part of me is really disappointed that that doesn't happen. Now, I don't want to open myself up to these psychos that are coming in, but this is what we had to do to get opportunities. Man, I used to do crazy shit you know i used to there was a time when i was coming out of college i used to send dan rather letters literally (laughs) i'm going to be in new york city can i come watch you do the news and one of his assistants finally wrote me back and said 
Dear sir, we are running a news operation. We do this every single day. It is not open to the public. <laughs> I used to do stuff like that. And I always wondered, why are people not coming around? Why are they not coming around? I don't want to throw this millennial card, but you know, a lot of them just know they don't need to. They just want to plant their flag. They've got their phone app. They've got their mic app. They just want to do a show. So to answer the question, yeah, it might kind of weird me out a little bit, but I'm a little disappointed that I don't get more of that. What do you think you would have done, Jim, if you hadn't gotten that job? That would not have deterred you. You were absolutely committed to being in sports radio, right? I burned the boats, man. I burned the boats because the, the best thing that I did, guys, when I, I I did seven internships when I was in college, and then at the last second I had a really bad experience with a local AM station in Santa Barbara. It was KIST 1340. I'd worked for free for nearly a year. The news director said to me, we've got a paid position. All you have to do is make a tape. I'm going to give it to the owner and you're in. The owner heard the tape and he goes, I hate that guy. He can't have the job. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was devastated, not that mature. I had a family business. I quit radio. I went into the family business. My old man fired me. I went into sales. (laughs) I got fired. So at that point I knew I'm not good at anything else. I'm going all in. I'm going to burn the boats and whatever it is, I'm going to win the war of attrition. Like you guys know this. We've been surrounded by guys who are more talented than us, that are smarter than us. But along the way, I figured one thing out. They're quitting. They're giving up. And if I stay in the fight long enough, I might have a chance. That's very Agreed. inspirational and very true. All we, have, all we have to do is stay alive and not get fired. Yeah. This is it. This is it. So I the, hope people hear that. I hope people rewind that part of the podcast and listen to that again, because that's great advice for anybody who's starting out in any career. You know what? Because I, the one thing I did, the only thing I understood, and you guys probably understand this too, I knew, I knew what questions to ask myself, like, why you, why you, why you? If that guy's got a better voice, if that guy's smarter, if that guy's more talented, why you? What makes you different? And I just kind of committed to the fight. I was going to stay in the fight. I'm like, I'm going to outlast that guy. It's not for me to know when it's going to happen. But if I never give up, I've got a better shot. So, like, Kevin, what was it like when Bean, when Bean said, I'm ready to move on? Did you know that was coming? What was that conversation like? There's a lot of stuff with Bean that I didn't necessarily know was coming. Um, no, I was brought into the office, and they said Bean's moving. Um, what do you want to do? Oh, you're Should talking be... about now, now, Jim? You're talking I, about... I mean, I mean the ultimate. I mean this move. Oh, this now move. this time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, this time. The thirty-year move. We, this time we have a very, very solid group of people that we're just going to move on with because they're strong enough to do that. So. This time, it's it's not easier, but it's almost easier than it was then just because we've done the same thing. We have people we can count on. Bean knows like everyone that's there, and everybody's fully capable of moving on. I'm the weak spot, but I'm working on that, and it seems to be going pretty well. Like Bean, what was the last show like? I mean, you're... You're not huge on goodbyes necessarily, no. Bean. Correct me if I'm wrong, but so when every the last show after 30 years and everybody's coming in and everybody's sad and everybody's emotional, what was that show like? Um, we're, uh, I'll answer that in two ways, Jim. One is um, it was overwhelming to hear from the people, not just from the people who used to work there, former producers and former DJs at K Rock, and we heard from a lot of them, but just from the listeners. I mean. It really did reinforce what we all know about radio, which is it is a very intimate and personal medium. And, you know, we're just yucking it up, telling testicle jokes, you know, <laughs> in the morning, and you don't realize that you're really helping people with their day. Right. And we heard, and I'm sure you've gotten 
emails like this all the time, Jim, from people who, you know, they lost a relative or they're going through cancer or they're unemployed or they're, they've got mental, you know, mental illness issues or something like that. And the radio makes them happy. And the radio really does provide a service. And that is unbelievably humbling to realize how powerful our, our medium is. So all of that was going on, uh, and it meant the world to me. Uh, the other half of the interview answer, though, is that I'm not a big fan of goodbyes, and I don't like the attention, and I was really uncomfortable with some of the things that people were saying. But I think that in my mind I was thinking I really would like some closure for our, particularly our longtime listeners. I'd like them to have a farewell show that they feel like they got their money's worth out of. And that's why when somebody like Poor Man, who got fired on K-Rock 26 years ago, we've never spoken with him since, when he shows up on the request line, that's why you say yes, is because you're thinking, I bet listeners out there would enjoy hearing this uncomfortable interaction that we're about to have with this four employee. <laughs> Dude, can I, can I tell you, I'm glad I was going to bring that up anyway. That was wild. It was wild. That was wild. wild. For those who don't know, who is the Poor Man and what happened on that call? Well, I mean, the poor man was one of the original K-Rock DJs. I mean, he was a huge star in most of the 80s and the beginning of the 90s. He was one of, you know, I said when we brought him on that day, he's on the Mount Rushmore of K-Rock, along with Richard Blade and Jed the Fish and some of the others we mentioned. But the short version, Jim, of what happened is he ended up bringing 500 listeners to my house one night while he was co-hosting Loveline. And it was a very, very scary night. Um, he seemed a little bit, Kevin, didn't you think that he seemed a little bit surprised to hear some of the things that his listeners had done in his no. night? No, no, I think he was, I think, I'm just guessing, I think he was 100% lying because really? people were throwing bricks through the windows. I mean, there's no way to ignore that. They set, uh, they set my uh, grass on fire. They disconnected the battery from my car. Uh, they turned the, all the, the power off in the house. So my wife and I are sitting there going, not knowing whether a mob is going to come through the windows and who knows do what to us. But um, I went into work the next day and I said, look, you cannot control poor man. He's been a discipline problem before, but now it's to the point where I'm not safe in my house and two things are going to happen if I'm going to stay here. One is he's going to be fired. And two is you're going to pay for me to move because I'm not going to live in that house anymore now that all these people know where I live and they're all going to be, you know, out there putting uh, burning crosses in my yard or whatever poor man tells him to do. And that's exactly what happened is I moved and they fired poor man and poor man has been unbelievably resentful for all these years. I felt he deserved to be fired, but he thought it was unfair and it was just a, a prank among coworkers. So there was some legitimate emotion involved when he called in because literally none of us have spoken since that day. So, hey, Jim, let me add, let me add something to this conversation because un, uh, yes, go ahead. Yeah, I said please go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, earlier, Bean has said no to everything as far as goodbye parties and stuff like that. And earlier that same week on Monday, I said finally, I said, dude, you know Jimmy Kimmel, you love Jimmy Kimmel. Can we just have Jimmy Kimmel on? Bean said yes. I emailed Jimmy Kimmel, hey, what are you doing Thursday morning? This is Monday of that same week. He said, oh, we have a shoot and all this stuff, but I'll make it work. So he canceled what he was doing. He got Adam Carolla to come in, and the plan was to do a two-break, a half-hour with those two. That was the plan. And then it ended up staying two and a half hours, and every phone call that we took from Poor Man to Ralph Garman to anybody else that was on the show was it just was all happening live and none of us had any idea what was going none on. None of it was planned. 
And that's nope. the best. And that's the best way to do that. So, like, Kevin, back to Jimmy. These are such good guys. Jimmy's such a good guy. Adam's such a good guy. Maybe Bean can't speak to this, Kevin. But Jimmy, how emotional was that for Jimmy to say goodbye to Bean? I mean, not forever, but to the show. No, it was very important because he's always said that he he loves us and he appreciates the chance that we gave him. But more personally, like, he really, behind the scenes, what Bean didn't know is we were trying to do... 15 different things and jimmy was in on all of them he's like yep i'll do that okay yes i'll host that yes let's do that that's a great idea so he from the very beginning like he really wanted to tell bean thank you and how much he's appreciated and it was really amazing and finally when bean said yes the week up i was like oh no jimmy's gonna be busy this is gonna suck he rearranged everything and that's who jimmy is and that's how he cares. He's the best. He's you the best. Bet. I didn't want to do a big uh, farewell show. They wanted to do, you know, take it on the road and have listeners come out. And it's just, I don't know. It's it's too much for me, Jim. I can't handle the the adoration like you can. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> being cute. I've seen. Look, I've seen you on TV sitting in your velvet coat with a crown on your head and a scepter on a, you know, on a throne. Hey, worship <laughs> me. I just I, Dude, not I many guys can pull that off. That, not many guys can pull that off. No, I, I understand. <laughs> hey, really quick before you go, that one last thought about poor man. That that story is really scary and really weird and really wild. But I remember coming up like I've done this this national show for a long time, but I pride myself in kind of coming through local radio. And I remember what it's like. And not everybody in the same station is pulling for everybody else, and they don't necessarily like you. Like whenever it came over the table, man, that was a real good day for a lot of the people that I worked with, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yep. So h- how did that come to be? Like, why? How did his listeners end up at your house, much less doing the things they did? I don't remember originally. I mean, did we have some sort of... I do. I remember. Did we have he a had, feud with Poor Man at some point? He ha- Here's the thing. He had a friend that was a mutual friend of ours that worked on our show. And he was a good enough friend that this guy knew where Poor Man kept the key for his house. So the guy who poor man knows, who's had over at his house a bunch, this guy we sent him down just to wish him a happy birthday first thing in the morning. Somehow in his mind, that meant it was equal to him broadcasting on Bean's Lawn and giving out his address. Mm. And that's where it just all went haywire. Mm. Just kind of went sideways. Yeah, it was just, it was insanity. And the fact that he equated the two, we've never been in, able to understand. Yeah, that was, that was poor judgment. But I as Carola said, I mean, it's right there in his name, you know, poor man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the weird, weirdest thing I saw, believe it or not, I saw him <laughs> back in the day, like Janet and I would go out and we'd come home on the weekend after a couple of pops and his TV show would be on. And I'd throw it on, and Janet would be like, oh, hell no, we're not watching this. Jimmy. My, my wife and my mom are the only ones who jimmy me. But she's like, Jimmy, we're not watching Poor Man. I'm like, oh, yes, we are. But then maybe seven or eight years ago, I was at the boat parade in Newport Beach at this legendary bar called the VI. And in walks none other than Poor Man. And I'm like, I'm looking over, I'm like, holy shit, that's Poor Man. And we'd never met. He's like, Jim Rome, dude, what's up? Big fan. It's just so weird and random, man. So weird and random. Did he come across as as nice and kind and happy to see you, or was yes, he a little yes, busy? yes? That I mean, way. I mean, a little like kind of poor manish to be sure, but sure. but yeah, it was not it was not awkward. It, it, there was respect, like between a couple of old radio guys. Oh, that's cool. So well, that's one good. thing I love about you, Jim, is that you are a radio geek, and I we are. I am. That. And no. by the way, did you get that sense at the Hall of Fame too? Is Hollywood Hamilton and Ryan Seacrest and you know all of those guys? We all grew up 
little kids falling in love with music, falling in love with the radio, wanting to be one of those voices that comes out of the radio. I mean, it really was a lifetime achievement award for all of us. And, you know, I, nobody appreciates being in a Radio Hall of Fame more than those of us who Did have that, always loved the medium of radio. It was so well said. I mean, that was my favorite part of the night, aside from, like, the family being there to kind of take it all in. Like, guys, I mean, I don't, I don't know where you guys come out on Seacrest because it, it's morning radio is so fiercely competitive, especially in the market you're in. But, man, that dude is kind of like a force in nature. Oh, and that's he... exactly right. I mean, he deserves every good thing that's ever happened to him. Look, here's what the, we've always said about Seacrest. He is not funny, but he is a great host. He really is. He is able to get you from A to B to C and do it in a very professional way. He's never said anything interesting that I know of. He's never <laughs> said anything funny that I know of. But he's a goddamn professional, and nobody works harder than he does. I mean, he must have... 16 different income streams coming in that are bringing them millions of dollars each. I mean, it's insane. Uh, that dude you, 20 you, hours you a day. Were, you talk to him. Why don't you tell people what you said? Yeah, what, yeah what was that like? <laughs> oh, I mean, he just charmed the whole table. I, I swear to God, I thought some of Kevin's kids were going to go home with him. I mean, he just walks in <laughs> No, there. no, not that night. I'm saying you were on with Ryan Seacrest. Oh, you're talking about, okay. Yeah, because at the Hall of Fame, he was just walking around just shaking hands and, and with that yes, million-dollar smile, and everybody loved him. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, uh, he reached out to us. Kevin was out that day, but he reached out to us to, for us to be on his show and for him to be on our show. And uh, we talked to him, and I told him all of that. I said, Ryan, you deserve all the credit in the world, man. No one has done more with less than Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> and he laughed. He thought, it, he thought it was funny, but, I mean, he really has, you know. I mean, he's, Bean. You know, he's no Dick Clark, but he replaced Dick Clark. He's no Casey Kasem, but he replaced Casey Kasem. You know, I mean, he's just the guy to do any job and do it professionally. And I give him a lot of credit. And that's not you, Jim, and that's not me, and that's not Bean. The three of us would never be able to do that. Yeah. No, this dude is a force in nature. Like, did, nature you guys, yeah. did you guys get, like, before the week of, did you get, I mean, I don't want to say it if you didn't, but I know you did because this is how smooth Seacrest is. In the mail comes this framed, it was like the, uh, the poster, the invitation, the whatever it was for the event itself where it had all of us. He sends me a framed picture with a handwritten note saying, you're a legend, man. Congrats. See you there. Pure I'm class. like, this dude is so, he is so classy. And then when he yeah. wrapped the show, like, remember I did the first speech and he did the last one. Yeah. When he mentioned all of us by name on the way out the door, I mean, that cat is smooth. Yeah, he's a professional. He really is. He, he was great. And by the way, um, we can't let this interview, and this is probably the last all of us will ever talk about the Hall of Fame again. You know Kevin nailed Dr. Ruth after the ceremony, right? <laughs> Physically? You know that happened, right? Dude, I, I don't know, but she did get I'm, – I'm not surprised to hear it, first of all. I would have been disappointed if it didn't happen. And she did, she did send us off with homework. Did she not say, and for all of you, the one thing I want every one of you to do tonight is try a new position? Yep. Yep. She's so, 91 and a half, and she was given a sex homework, and Kevin said, I'll show her a thing or two. So, so Kevin, what position did you uh, – Utilize. How'd that go? Oh, Jim, I don't kiss and tell. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you don't nail and tell. She is so tiny. She's even shorter than Seacrest, which I was stunned by. <laughs> well, dude, I mean, first of all, it's to be. Let, let's not really be crass, but as you get older, you lose size, and she's like 150. Yeah, she is. But your ears keep growing. We know this. She can't be more than like four foot six, though. Legitimately, you are right? bringing me down to your level, man. I, I I'm going to say something I regret soon enough. 
Contractors everywhere can rely on Ferguson for a wide variety of specialty products, tools, supplies, and services, too. Thanks to their pro pickup service, you can shop online and pick up in-store, leaving you with more time to focus on the work at hand. And with more than 1,000 locations across the nation and expert associates ready to help out with any job, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson is going to be the easiest part of your hard day of work. So visit Ferguson.com and find a location near you. Kevin, so where are you going to go with the show now? What's what's going to happen? How do you replace the irreplaceable? I mean, you don't really try to reinvent the wheel. We have been doing this show for 30 years, so it's sort of like, you know, it, it also represents my sense of humor as well as Bean's. And with being leaving, of course, it's a huge transition, more for me than anyone else. You know, Jensen's there. He does a solid job. Allie's there. She does a solid job. The only person he was worried about is me. And to me, it just feels like, look, it's the same show. It's the exact same sense of humor that I've had for 30 years as well. So it just sort of makes sense to just move on that way. That does make sense. Now, Bean, you're not retiring. Let's be very clear about this. You are just moving on to the next thing. Of course, you're leaving the country, but you are moving on to the next thing. What is the next thing? What kind of show are you going to do? I'm told that I'm going to live on a nice farm upstate, like my childhood dog. Um, Beautiful. You know, I'm, uh, I'm moving back home to London, the city of my birth, a place that I've been many, many times over the years and have a lot of friends and family there. And I know that it is unlikely that I will achieve much success there in broadcasting, but I'm going to give it a try because I still love doing it. I feel like I'm nowhere near wanting to retire. I love being on the radio, and I'm just hoping I can get somebody to give me, you know, give me a, a, a shot. Uh, I know I've got a couple of things working against me at my age and with my dumb American accent, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go in there and say, look, uh, you know, a couple of halls of fame here worth a worth a lunch, and uh, <laughs> I see love if it. I can see if I can charm them, show a little cleavage, whatever is necessary, and have somebody give me a shot. You know, we do live in the golden age of audio. Not everything is on the radio. There are lots of other places places that you can, you know, that you can uh, you can work now. So. I'm just going to have to get creative and do a bunch of networking. And in a way, it's kind of exciting to be starting from scratch. But in another way, it's kind of terrifying because most of what I have done in the past doesn't translate, doesn't transfer. You know what I mean? I mean, I really am an unknown quantity. I could go to any radio station in America and they would have at least heard of K-Rock. I go over there and I'm really starting from square one. So we'll see how it goes. I'll I'll check in in a year, Jim, and we'll see if I'm working. No, I'm not going <laughs> to wait that long. In fact, when you say that this is probably the last time we'll ever talk about the Hall of Fame, hell no, we'll, we'll be doing the same thing next week. <laughs> I'm going to do this all the time. We've got to stay with this thing for sure. Well, I'd just like to say if there is one takeaway from today, it's email Jim Rome and do not stop. Yep. Email, 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 email. Jim is looking for a ton of people to join the program, and he'll pay right. you a lot of money to come work there. That's it. Exactly. If you want in, all you have to do is ask, why are you not banging on my door? Dude, I'll, be changing, <laughs> I'll be changing my email as soon as we're done here. <laughs> Guys, it, this is such a blast. This is so fun. I know it was a big ask because it only ended like 13 days ago, but I want to compare notes on the night. I've got nothing but respect and admiration for you guys. I'm proud of you. I'm proud to call you guys friends. This was an absolute blast, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Look, I would just like to say, and I know I speak for Bean, that it was just as great as being entered into the Hall of Fame. It was just as great that it was the same year that you were in Absolutely. the Hall of Fame as well. Is it is it true, by the way, something Hawk told me before he put me through, Jim, that he has a Mariner's tattoo? Is that true? He's got a Mariner's tattoo, and he's got a tattoo, Bean, of his cat. 
named well, Griffey. <laughs> named Griffey. <laughs> you, uh, you do need to hire some new people, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. You guys are the absolute best. Much love, much respect, and thank Great. you very much. We'll do it soon. You as well. Congratulations, Jim. We love you, man. We'll talk to you again. Listen, what if good drivers didn't have to pay for bad drivers? Root Insurance thinks the old way of pricing car insurance is unfair, so they developed a mobile app that measures driving behavior. By removing bad drivers from the equation, Root can save good drivers up to 52% in 2019. So gone are the days where your car insurance rate is based on your credit score, your age, your gender, your zip code. With Root, it's car insurance made easy where it uses an app to base rates primarily on how you drive. That's how Root saved its good drivers up to 52% in 2019. With Root Insurance, better drivers deserve better rates. That's why the Root app uses driving behavior as the primary factor to determine car insurance rates. And in 2019, Root was the fastest-growing direct insurance company in the United States. Better drivers deserve better rates. Car insurance made easy. All you have to do is download the Root Insurance app, drive normally for a few weeks during the Root test drive, and see how much you can save. Do not wait. Give Root a try. Head to your app store and download the Root Insurance app and sign up in less than a minute to start your test drive today. That's R-O-O-T. Again, Download the Root app today and visit joinroot.com and learn more and see how much you can save. Root reserves the right to refuse to quote any individual a premium rate for the insurance advertised herein. Savings based on national reviews reported by actual customers. Form 1, not available in all states. This product is not available in California. A huge shout out to my 2019 Hall of Fame classmates, Kevin and Bean. That was a blast. Hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. Now, do me a solid. If you liked what you heard, go find Kevin and Bean on Twitter. Hit them up. Let them know you listened and let them know what you thought of the episode. While you're here, I implore you, you got to get subscribed. These episodes can hang with any other podcast on the planet and they're free and we do them weekly. Give yourself an early holiday present. Subscribe for automatic downloads of this premium side hustle. You'll be glad you did. Something I'm not glad I did, however, but I live with anyway, is this voicemail machine, which you can reach 24-7-365 at this number, 949-385-0447. Put it in your phone, 949-385-0447. If you're wondering how low the bar is going to get on the tape, then check this out. First new message. Hello, Jim. This is Eli Byler in Western PA. We are the Amish, and uh, we enjoy the program, but would like you to include more Barnyard Olympics coverage. Thank you, Jim. Good day. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Rome, what's up, man? This is David from Buffalo. I'm calling in about Philip Rivers. This guy's career is over. He needs to hang it up. He made it below average defense in Kansas City look like they were the steel curtain. I mean, Philip Rivers... He's not a Hall of Famer. He's got a funky throwing motion. He's not even a starting quarterback in the NFL anymore, and he's costing his team big time. If you put a pretty good quarterback on the Chargers right now, they're in the playoff hunt. With Phillip Rivers, they're booking tee times in January. I'll see you later, Rome. Message saved. Next message. What's up, my Hall of Fame brother? It's Dr. Dave. First, got to give Hawk some credit for getting a shout-out from a Jeopardy Tournament of Champions contestant for Sympathy to Trebek. 
And now that it's November, it's shocking that Hawk no longer has a mustache. You would think any kind of hipster freak would be slobbering over this kind of recognition month. But seriously, this is Men's Health Month. Get all you clones out there. Get your prostate checked. Get your colonoscopies. Get your flu shots. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin in Melbourne. Your Romanowski podcast did not disappoint. What a classic line talking about Trevor Price's game being horseshit. I would love to know what Bill thinks about Trevor Price's NFL picks. Message saved. Next message. If Steelers are grand, put Philip Rivers no sabem dar uma caralho de uma bola. Já é dois jogos, ele venta os interceptions, eles podiam ganhar os jogos, tomaram sete pontos, e aquele put não pode ventar um caralho de uma bola, o Los Angeles Chargers, e cara puta com cara de culo. Message deleted. Next message. Jim, Mike in Fort Wayne. Just listen to T. Mussolini. I wonder what he thinks of that new Ford Mustang Mach-E abomination. Out. Message saved. Next message. Miles Garrett is a bitch. Message deleted. You have no more messages.